Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is September 12th, 2023, and thanks so much for being here with us today. We have a wonderful show for you today, very special. We have two very special guests, one of them extremely bright and the other one extremely Berkshire. I know they're laughing. Okay. <laughs> I've got my good friend, Dr. Bridget Bright here. She's the Director of Communications and Membership for the Council of Administrators of Public, Edu- of, of public Education, of Special Education. I'm, I'm reading what you wrote me, Bridget. I know that. The Council of Administrators for Special Education, CASE, at casecec.org. They're part of the Council for Exceptional Children, Public Education. That's pretty funny, uh, Bridget. Okay. And we've got the one, the only, the amazing Jennifer Berkshire. Jennifer is the co-author, along with Jack Schneider, of a terrific book, with a, which a lot of you are familiar with and a lot of you have read. It's called A Wolf at the Schoolhouse Door. And it's basically about the concerted effort to dismantle public education and the book is a few years old now but they're writing a second book that's coming out it's 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 a strategy book and it's going to be called the education wars a citizen's guide and defense manual to protect public education today because we've this this conversation was set up by my good friends over at case all right And, and we are going to specialize today in how the dismantling of public education and what some groups are trying to do is really going to hurt kids in special ed, those kids with specific disabilities, etc. We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. That's our home website for our American Consortium for Equity in Education, ace-ed.org. Go over there. Everything's free over there for you. Our magazine, Equity and Access, which is an online journal. Our podcast, everything's uh, this one too, will be archived over there. And also our Excellence in Equity Awards, and we hope you participate in that. Again, everything is free for all educators over there at ace-ed.org. We'd love you to join with us. And with further ado, I'll bring on Bridget first because I know her, and I hope, Bridget, that you liked my joke about one of you being very bright and the other one being very Berkshire. I loved it. Of course I loved it. It works out well for me that my last name is Bright, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And and and, per, and actually, both of you are perfectly named. Hi, are, Jennifer, are you there? I hear you laughing. Yes, I I am laughing because you know I when you said you, one of the guests was bright, I perked right up, knowing that you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, it is perfect. Okay, I'm Larry uh, Jennifer, and um, I got to tell you, your last name reflects the mountain range of the state you live in. I'm very impressed that you did that. Well, I have to tell you that I'm I'm not originally from Massachusetts. I'm from the Midwest, where the name Berkshire does not invoke a mountain <laughs> range, but a prized hog. And so, uh, you people, some of your listeners may have gone to a restaurant and seen Berkshire pork on the menu. There you and go. <laughs> so when I when I moved out here, and now I get to say Berkshire like the mountains instead of Berkshire like the hog, like there you I go. really moved up in the world. And you may call me Larry Appalachia from now on. <laughs> there you go. Hey, it's great to have you here, Jen. You rewrote a terrific book. I got to tell you that. A Wolf at the thanks, Schoolhouse. Thanks door. so much. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I'm 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 thrilled to have you here. I really am. And what was funny, I was going to buy the book, okay, to, and all that. My wife, who works at you'll know this at WGBH in the Education Department, okay, down in Boston, okay, and she had the book. 
She brought it up. She said they've been giving it out. That's, so there you go. That's, great book. That's, that's just amazing. What a small world. And that, that really makes me feel great. Yeah, well, they they love you over there, and I love you for what you've done over here. And it's just, I just hope people read this book because this is a fight that we have to fight. And be, before we get into all the impact on special ed, I just want to say this again: you and Jack, Jack Schneider, your co co host on your podcast. I didn't mention the education podcast. Have you heard? All right, and also your co author on the book here. All right. You're writing this book, The Education Wars, A Citizen's Guide. We, ha- and we handed it manual. in last week. Say it again. It's done. You just said. it's done. We handed in the manuscript last week. Wow, congratulations. Oh, thank you. I have friends who have, who have won Pulitzer Prizes, and when they finally finished the book they were writing, they were bright yellow. They were so exhausted from being inside for uh, <laughs> all that time. How are you doing? Now, how are you and Jack now that you've done the book? Well, um, I did my writing. I sat outside as I was writing, so I did not turn yellow. But I, I have to say, I am, I, I am really glad to be done with it because the sooner we finish, the sooner we can get it out. Exactly, and the sooner more work can be done. Okay, and and you know, you, you got to learn strategies here. This, I, I feel like I'm talking to the what, what's the Chinese general with the art of war. General Zoo or something. Okay. <laughs> you got to read this stuff and get the strategies down and all that. So the book, where, where is the book coming out in, in 2024? Yes, it will be out early in 2024. And we wrote it so, so as to be as, as accessible as we were capable of. And the idea is that, you know, we've given people the tools to understand the what and the why of the attacks on public education, but also, you know, really learning from people on the ground who are pushing back very effectively. Yeah, it's so important. And when you write and when you do your podcast, when we when we do our podcast and publish our magazine, we write that for professional educators. We're not writing for Mm -hmm. the public, per Mm -hmm. se, although certainly everybody's invited to listen to our podcast. They're more for professional educators. When you write, Okay, when you when you and Jack do your podcast as well as write together, who who's in who's on your mind when you when you do that? Now we're going to get into the details of special ed in a second, but please, Jen, answer that. Yeah. I'm curious. Well, I'm I'm really the one who is always pushing to speak to the broadest possible audience, and I think it was a real wake up call for us that you know we've we've heard so many of the stories that that uh, that uh, when you were praising the book and saying that your your wife had a copy that's great yeah. but i can't tell i can't tell you how many times i've heard from people you know i i want to i want to give this out to more people but i worry but, it's going to be it's too dense and so we knew we needed to make this one you know uh, the writing needed to be more accessible um and the last podcast we did jack made a point of saying that that's his goal for the year ahead as we enter in this crazy election season, you know, make the, uh, make the podcast a welcoming place for, for people who just, you know, have questions about the state of our public schools. It is, it is just so important. I mean, it it really is. And believe me when I tell you, you know, the public schools, I have to say this, the public schools have been kind of the way they are for a long, long time and change can be good, but change has to be balanced. And change has to be for the good of the students, not for the good of the parents, the good of the students, okay? And we can't let politics get involved in what we know is, edu- is good education. It's the same thing as politics getting involved, if I may, in healthcare. It's not good. Politicians don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to either one of those things, 
Okay, so that's my my point on there. We've got to stand up for public education because we are the public. Okay, and again, the new books are going to be called the edu- it is called the Education Wars: A Citizen's Guide and Defense Manual. Okay, Jack Schneider, my guest, Jennifer Berkshire, Bridget. Let me get back to you, the bright one of the group. Bridge. <laughs> okay. By the way, Bridge, I yeah. just want to tell you, you live in Arkansas, and I did a good show with the University of Arkansas yesterday. I'll send it to you. I forgot to mention that to you. Oh, wonderful. Go hard. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Their Office of Innovative Education. It's a pretty neat operation they got going That's down there. Yeah, I'll send it yeah, to you. It Being head. an Arkansas resident. Yeah. Okay. Bridget, how do you hook up with uh, Jennifer here? You, you you guys, thank you so much, you and Phyllis, for putting this show for me together and having this wonderful two guests here. How, what got you involved with Jennifer, Bridget? Sure. I had the pleasure of meeting Jennifer um, earlier this fall, actually. New Hampshire Case was hosting their conference, oh. and I served as a panelist. And um, Jennifer was moderating the panel regarding um, the privatization of public education, what the impact is for students with disabilities. So Jennifer presented uh, her information on Wolf at the Schoolhouse Door, and I was hooked. And I read the book, and when we we did the panel, um, you know, we just connected on many different levels. And I definitely wanted to use anything that Case can to amplify her work and voice along with her, of course, her co-author, Jack. So um, she navigated our panel very well, (laughs) and we got to the heart of, um, you know, really using words that are important. These aren't vouchers. This is private. It's it's not school choice. These are actual vouchers that are taking funds away from public education and putting them into private education, and it hurts kids. And it hurts communities because, uh, and Jennifer can speak uh, very fluently about how public schools are the heart of local communities. And, um, you know, uh, uh, an article that I'd recently read and I shared with Jennifer as well is that the vast majority of parents are pleased with their local schools. You, uh, you just took my next all point. The time in papers. Yes. Yep. Then they do polls. The American public might have a different view of, of public education. But if you look at parents in their local schools, there's a lot of positive data out there. Um, and so uh, that's how we met. And I said, well, I've got to get to with Larry Jacobs. We've got to make sure he, he gets to meet you too. Thank you. Okay. And, and you know, you know, it's interesting. And to me, this is a real challenge that um, public education faces in the fact that we all went through it for the most part. When I say all, it's obviously not everybody, but even in Philadelphia where I grew up, if we weren't going to public school, you were going to the big huge system of Catholic schools. So it was its own kind of version of public education. Okay. And, 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 you know, the problem is people, think that, well, that's the way I did fine in school when I was there in 1962, so why isn't it the same way here? What the hell am I paying taxes for a computer for? Okay? And, <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's the same way that we look at the armed forces. If you, during the, um, you know, the 1960s and 70s, there were tons of comedy shows on TV like McHale's Navy and MASH and Bilko and all that sort of stuff about the armed forces because it was a common thing. Everybody got all the, all the guys anyway, got drafted. So we all had that com- commonality. Okay. We knew what the armed forces was like, but when it became an all volunteer thing, suddenly not everybody was involved anymore. Okay. And it gives a whole different perspective and bad people can take a look at any given perspective and change it to their way of thinking. And it's a whole different mindset out there. Okay. And a lot of it is PR driven. 
And a lot of it is just nuts. As you just said, most, the people whose kids are in school, public school, like like it. Their, their kids are doing okay. It's one of the great things of America. All right? But it's all those people who don't have kids in public school. That, If I may listen to Fox News all day or the One American Network, whatever that's called. Okay? And, and, and all they do is hear this drummed into their heads. And it's not right. It's not fair. Okay? The other side doesn't get the same chance to influence people. That's why we need Jen and Jack so much to, to create that influence. Right, Jen? I, you're absolutely right. And I think what's, uh, what's interesting and also really discouraging is that that gap that both you and Bridget were just referencing, that perception gap is, yeah, is widening. And so the, the, uh, the perception of parents whose kids are enrolled in the public schools, their, uh, their perception has actually ticked up as far as being happy, which, you know, you would think given all the headlines that we're seeing, you would think that we would see them growing more frustrated. And that really isn't the case. It's, it's everyone else. And it really tracks along these political lines that you yep. were just describing. Yep. And so they, you know, like, for example, um, over the, the weekend, Nikki Haley was up in New Hampshire. Um, the, there's a steady stream of presidential contenders who are in New Hampshire. And, sure. you know, they're, uh, they are, the people who are turning out for these events are older and Republican, and they are getting a steady diet of exactly what you just That's described. Right. And so right. well, what is their what is their top pri- priority? Parental rights. And um but when uh when we see parental rights actually put up for a vote in New Hampshire and and people whose kids attend the local schools weighing in, it bombs as an issue, which That's I think right. is really interesting. That's right. That's right. One of the things about parental rights you should actually ask the parents. And when you do, you find out people aren't don't like it. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 it's so nuts. It's, it's unbelievable out there. I got to tell you, I, I want to put this in now. By the way, before I go on, where was the New Hampshire meeting? When was it? The bridge? Oh, the, we were on Lakewood and Pasaki, and I think that was back in okay. early August. Okay. I want to remind you of something, and I'm sorry I missed that. Okay. I live less than an hour. I live 40 minutes from Lakewood and Pasaki. Even though I'm in Maine. Oh wow! Yeah, Bummer. I could have, I could have come see you. Okay, we're in I, southern Larry, Maine. I, I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to add one thing about the parental rights while you guys were talking yeah. about that. What's so ironic is when you consider the IDEA rights of students with disabilities. Oh, yeah. When, when um, parents make the choice to send students to private schools with potential um, vouchers or you know the public school money they actually lose their parental rights under IDEA. Mm-hmm. Private schools do not have the obligation That's right. to provide That's right. the same services under IDEA, and they that's actually right. lose their safeguards. And so I think that's really, really important to share when you hear people talking about parental rights, just um, how the absolute opposite occurs when um, students with disabilities access private education. It, it, it's unbelievable. So Jennifer, and, and here I want to get into this, okay? And let's get down to the, into the weeds now. You just said one thing. Is that the main reason why special education is so concerned about the, 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 the changes in public that could happen in public education? Is that the reason because of the IDEA law, loss? Or are, let's so, see, you can go deeper. And, and Bridget, I'm going to let you talk to this and bring up some questions with Jennifer, which I because I know you guys are right on the same wavelength with this. What's, what's going to happen? Put it down into the special ed world. 
So that is definitely an important piece of it. And I think, you know, like right off the bat, we have to start sort of wrangling with the question of why. Like why would all these states be pursuing a policy direction that actually requires parents of kids with special needs to give up their rights? And, and to make sense of it, I think we have to start with the fact that in the U.S. there have been two major, major efforts to make our schools more equal. And the first is Brown versus Board of Education, uh, yeah. which says that schools, you cannot continue to be segregated. And the second is IDEA, right? That prior to IDEA, those parents and those kids are just completely on their own. And so I would argue that it is not at all a coincidence that both of those are really under attack right now. Mm-hmm. And that people wow. in the listening audience, you know, they, they hear all this stuff about, about woke. You know, our schools are too woke. The, yeah. You know, like, they're, like the, you, if you listen to um, uh, Ron DeSantis' speech, he just, you know, he strings it together uh, over and over again with a few other words. Well, what they mean when they talk about that is that they are opposed to basically the government putting its thumb on the scale for equality, right? Yeah. It's not just about things like Black Lives Matter or the rights of transgender kids. It's about anything the government does to make the country more unequal, make it more equal. And, and I would argue that, that, that special education rights are right there at the center of it. And that's why par- these parents should be absolutely focused on these political debates. Even though I, you know, I know that a lot of us that we we hate politics. It's the last thing we want to be thinking about. Um, but it is this. This is a a big deal. And chances are, you are if you are in a, a red state, you are already seeing the implications of this view of the world. I agree. Who was that? Was that Jennifer or was that Bridget? Just spoke. That was so Jennifer. The, that the was Jen. I thought it was Jen. Okay. <laughs> you know, and Jen, you are exactly right. You know, and it's so ridiculous that we, we do this red state. You just said it, right? If you're in a red state, you can see what's happening. Okay. And if you, I got news for you, in a blue state, you can see what's happening. Okay. It's that, very, that, very. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's very, very scary out there. What's, what's going on. And again, it has become so politicized it's absolutely ridiculous okay and i want to ask you this jennifer what you know we talk about parents getting together what are you hearing from teachers and professional educators about all this and you can go into red states i'm sure you have okay what are you hearing from them because how do how do you start you know we're going to lose teachers if the whole thing becomes politicized we're going to lose certified teachers they're already doing that in a lot of places okay you can't believe some of the people uh, and i know in in florida okay a lot of people are not certified and they're teaching okay it's not good and what are you hearing for for educators to fight this because it's scary yes it is really scary it is really scary and there's um first of all it's not just in red states and so if you're listening to this in a blue state do not feel like you can just relax uh, because we're seeing teacher shortages everywhere. And yeah. this is, you know, I mean, I had the privilege of working in a special education school in Massachusetts for a year. And so I got to see for myself the, you know, the level of just what it took, how much staff 
was really required to yeah. give kids an unbelievable education and, and how much training those teachers needed in order to provide the kind of expert level care and, and form the, the relationships with these students that they so desperately needed. And so if you're already talking about kids who need more intensive staff involvement, they're going to be the ones who suffer most when, when you have teachers fleeing. And that's what we're seeing. They're fleeing because this hyper-politicized right. environment makes it incredibly difficult for for them just to do the job of teaching, and one you know I um, I teach a, I teach a course on the politics of public education at Yale in the fall, and last week we started off the semester by talking about the purpose of public education, and one of the things that you'll quickly determine is that we do not agree at all about what the purpose of public education is right now, hmm. and if hmm. if we ask parents in your listening audience what they think the purpose of public education is, they're going to be hyper-focused on getting their kids access to the, you know, the best possible education, right? Mm -hmm. Like helping, helping them be equal participants in the world. But if you talk to parent, maybe somebody in Moms for Liberty, they're going to have a very different vision of what the school should do. They're going to be talking a lot about things like back to basics. They may be even, even making the argument that we spend way too much time and money on kids who perhaps are not, quote, unquote, educable. Well, what does that mean? Mm. That means wow. nothing good. If, wow. you're, uh, if you're a parent wow. of a kid who requires extra, extra resources. So yes, it's a scary time to be a teacher. Teachers are absolutely leaving. We have the data to prove that now. And if you're a, a parent who, whose kids need extra resources, this is again why you should be really focused on this, this issue. You, re you really should. And let's talk about Moms for Liberty for a second. Everybody knows that group, so I could just use them. One of the, they're one of the more vocal conservative groups in, 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 about ed ed education. And this is a hard question because as, as liberals tend to go, if I may categorize people as liberals, all right, uh, you know, they want to hear all voices. So I'll ask it this way. Are Moms for Liberty, just using them as the example, are they wrong about everything? Or should there be more of a balance in there? How's, it, how's that play out, Jen, in, in your mind? How do you take uh, so what they're I, saying into consideration? Because, you know, they are, if I may, yeah. part of the public. I, I think it's really important to listen to what these groups are saying and figure out, you know, what resonates. And then, you know, the other thing that, that I think that people really need to be aware of is just how old this stuff is, that it is absolutely <laughs> amazing to, to go back to the early years of public education this year, in this country when we first started requiring parents to send their kids to public schools and that you you heard the exact same arguments being made that that people saying that basically saying I don't co-parent with the government you know they mm -hmm. do not like the idea that that suddenly the state was telling them that they had to send their kids to school that here's what the kids were going to learn and then as soon as you got into these questions about, you know, what the goal of school was and what kids needed to learn, you were right away in this very tricky area 
um, because the, you know, as, the, as Moms for Liberty and these other groups um, like to remind us, they are the first educators of their kids. And I think any, you know, any teachers we talk to would, would tell us that they feel like they are absolutely working in partnership with parents. But what we've right. seen, what we've seen over the last few years is that the, you know, that these groups are very focused on the rights and voices of a very select group of parents. Here, here. They yeah. are conservative parents and they are religious parents and they want those parents to basically have a veto over the rights of other parents. And I think what concerns me is that that, that veto would extend to, to kids with special needs. Um, because they are they are resource intensive, and because yes. they you know including including kids with special needs, really including them, requires a very uh, a broad vision of what schools do, and that in many ways is what these these groups like Moms for Liberty are taking aim at. It's it's <laughs> I, I got to tell you it it, it is it is <laughs> it's, it ain't good. Let me just tell you. Okay, it, 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 ain't, it ain't good. Bridget, how do you want your group, you're the Council of Administrators of Special Education, okay? How do you take what Jennifer's saying and mobilize? And I know you're going to be the first reader of the education wars. Okay, are we right. okay? Absolutely, Sound yeah. Right? I can't wait to yeah. get my hands on that book. <laughs> yes. So, you know, as Bridget, a national, uh, oh, sorry, as an international organization, we're doing just that. We want to amplify the voice and, you know, case and, as an organization also craft policy statements and position statements so that our state units can have access to those. Um, you know, this, this conversation is going on and, uh, on the federal level, as Jennifer said, um, in politics, but there's a lot of movement state by state. And so when we see those trends, it's important for us and as an association to provide our membership the tools to um, have, you know, actionable steps and to, to stop these movements from occurring. Um, CASE has a vibrant action center on our website where we can um, help to mobilize, uh, you know, uh, constituents reaching out to their politicians on the state or federal level. Um, and so those are things that we try to do as well. You know, and you guys were discussing, uh, again, when you hear different groups saying that they don't want uh, monies and things focused on, uh, students that may be uh, uneducable, which is a really historic a terrible phrase, term. of course. Yeah, right. What a terrible uh, it's term. also important. It's also important note note that when these public funds leave public schools, the public schools are still obligated to provide the breadth of IDEA. So that means that local taxpayer yeah. money is the one that makes up the difference, um, because those services don't go away; they stay there, um, and it just makes more problematic, and that impacts the whole environment and we just thought this was a perfect space to share since, um, Larry, you know, your, uh, the consortium focuses on equity because yeah. um, when we're looking at trying to separate students out, that's never going to be equitable, and that's not representative of the communities that we have and that we serve. Um, and it, Jennifer and Jack did a great job in, the, in their original book talking again about the historical, how this isn't the first time in history this has occurred, um, and that it's usually root, rooted in trying to separate uh, different either races or abilities and yeah. things like that. So you really have to look at it through an equity lens as well. 
Yeah, we, we really and truly do. You should see what we're doing, Jen. We'd love to have you work with us, et cetera, over there at our Consortium for Equity, which really does matter. I have to ask you something, Jen, and I know this from working with friends down at Johns Hopkins in their uh, uh, graduate education world. All right, uh, Dr. Ashley Byrne. Do you know Ashley? Jennifer, do you know Ashley Byrne? Oh, yeah, I, I, um, I read her book. Yeah, she's wonderful. Okay, the professor down there at Johns Hopkins, and she's been on the show quite often. And one of the things she always talks about, okay, with me anyway, is uh, I'm pretty sure it's Alberta, Canada, okay, where they have two separate systems that are both publicly funded, one public school, one, one parochial school system, all right? And it's working, all right? And I mean, we're always down here talking about privatization, but – have you looked? Have you and Jack looked at at a way that this could balance out and still make sense somehow? Like, like, can we learn? I, I think it's Alberta. I'm pretty sure it's Alberta. Okay, how they're doing it yeah. and why it's working. And I, if, I don't know if you know anything about it, but it struck me that you might. Yeah, um, yeah. We um, we were actually we uh, we did a, uh, we were up in Toronto together and we did a podcast episode there because um, Toronto the uh, that province also has a similar system. There you and, go. But what you know, but what's completely different about Canada is that they they don't have one system where you get rights and one system where you don't. And right. and I think and I think in exactly. many ways Thank the you. like the. Uh, the Professor Burnham raised a lot of really interesting questions, and it's very telling how far the debate has swung in the direction of of being like she she wrote her book well before, say, somebody like Christopher Rupo uh, launched his attacks on what you know on critical race theory. Yeah. Um, so so it's so like the the direction that we're moving in right now is really intended to move kids out of a system where they have rights because it's a system where they have rights. And I think that's really different from what she was talking about, right? Like she's, she's like, this is, uh, these other places have more pluralistic systems. And what we have a problem with here is that we have a lot of influential people and groups who have been angry about public education basically since its inception. And we need to, to try to understand what is it that they don't like. And, and they're not just saying, you know, like, boy, it would be great if we had a bunch of different options, but we made sure that everyone was, you know, protected in important ways. Um, no matter where they are. It's like, no, actually, the vision is for us to have a relationship with, with education that's like you're you know, on the phone with your, your cable provider, right? Like it's customer service yeah. as opposed to rights. Right, right. I, I, I would agree. And so what, if you can, in your new book, just give people a taste of the education wars, which will be out in early 2024, okay? What do you want people to do? How do you want them so to do the, it? What's your favorite stuff in there, if I may? Um, well, I especially I in say, special I, ed. I I just loved it. I thought like I I would spend the mornings writing, and then the afternoon I would make a point of interviewing people on the ground, asking them what's happening where you are. If you're fighting back effectively, what are you doing? And most importantly, when you know what are the questions you're hearing from people that they really need help answering. And so, uh, as I was writing it, because I'm actually not a fast writer, I I felt that 
that we were accomplishing that. And we do a few things. One is that we just we want people to understand that counter to the, all of the terrible stories you hear, we want people to understand what a success story public education has been in this country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and also we want them to understand just how far back these fights go and how often they flare up. My co-host and co-author is an education historian. That's so helpful right now. And so we went through and explained why it is that we're always fighting about schools and why we're fighting about them now. And I think that'll be really useful to people because the like it's so crazy when you when you hear a story where some politician is alleging that a school is providing students with litter boxes. <laughs> You're you know like you it the 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 nature of the complaint. There's so there's so many of them. They're so overheated. And yep. if you're in a community where the schools are really on fire, it is an incredibly demoralizing experience. So one of the things we wanted to just help people understand is why is this happening now? And then, and then um, finally to, to sort of take people to various places around the country where, where groups are figuring out how to push back and, you know, like all, like tips that are really, easy to use um, and and I I think it's great I'm I can't I, I can't say how it as a writer like often you feel like oh I guess this is good enough and when I was doing this I really felt like it matched my expectations that's interesting can I ask you something I, I just realized this your, your new book and that was great thank you the new book's called the education wars a citizen's guide and quote Defense manual. Is it still the subtitle? The Citizen's Guide yeah, to the Defense is, Manual? Okay, cool. How, I, I got a, this is a, a fun question. I'm thinking as I watched Monday Night Football last night. Why, why, why isn't it an offense manual? Okay. Oh, in, in other words, we immediutely could be an yeah. We immediately put ourselves <laughs> on the defense. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. you know, if you, if you ask. Uh, you know, yeah. if you ask a football player, they're both equally uh, important, and you're not going to score any points, really. You're not going to win the world. You're not going to win the Super Bowl by just defense. You've got to be on the offense. And, I'm, and I'm, uh, do, do you feel like it needs to be a defense manual, a civil defense manual, if I may? It's I, great. I, so I think that's such a good point. And, and that one, one of the things that's so interesting is that if you talk to people in these communities, where they are, um, they're defeating extremist school board candidates. And, you know, the, you would never know it from the headlines, but 70% of those candidates are losing. The extremist candidates are losing. And you would not so know it. The, you would not know that. And so the, in places where, where groups are, having a, uh, are effectively pushing back, it's precisely because of what you were just saying. They go on offense. They yeah, they got to go on offense. They lay out a comprehensive vision of what the school should look like, what every kid is entitled to, and what kind of community they want to live in. And oh, again and again, you see that the people who are shouting about trans kids and critical race theory and social and emotional learning, they don't have a positive vision, and they end up the vast majority of the time they they end up losing. That's right, and and you're absolutely right. What you just said, it, their vision is not a positive one. It's based that's on right. negativity. That's a that's an incredible point to make. Okay, that's and right. Education, and so even 
Yeah, it should be the most positive thing. Go ahead, please. There, you know, so when you think about it, the, you know, they're like, even though we think of those groups as being on offense, they, you know, they're, they're not really driving the ball forward. They're just, they're just there <laughs> to critique what's wrong. And, and I'm particularly interested in communities where you see people changing their minds, where maybe you saw a group of parents who got really worked up about, say, critical race theory. But then when, you know, when offered the opportunity to vote for a slate of people who wanted to enact school vouchers, they say, no way. I think that's really interesting. That's where I want to know more. So I really tried to highlight examples of that in the book. It is. And just yesterday when I was talking to Arkansas, I was saying how, uh, you know, they, they, by the way, they do have a good education department, in my opinion, in the state of Arkansas. Okay, they're doing good things. I agree. There. We've they, got a great department of education. Yeah, they were one of the yep. first ones with science of reading. I mean, they're pretty damn good down there mm-hmm. in your home state. Right? Okay, I really mean that. But, I, but, but as you well know, and uh, this Arkansas is Governor Huckabee Sanders, right? Isn't that that's your state, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. you know, she, she regulated that there will be no more critical race theory, critical race theory CRT taught, okay, in the public schools, which is the same regulation as you can't bring your Tyrannosaurus to school since neither of them was happening anyway. Okay. It's a regulation <laughs> for something that doesn't exist. Okay. So, so no critical race theory, no critical race theory, and, and, and keep your dinosaur at home, but they can't put them to the parking lot. Okay, it's that simple. Okay, it's it's political mess. And I got to ask you this: What makes you the most hopeful, Ms. Berkshire, Professor Berkshire? It is, it is absolutely those stories of people in communities all over the country coming together and forming coalitions that are much broader than just public school parents. And and that's where yeah. you know, they're like, not only are they beating back extremist attacks, but they're actually moving their communities forward. Yeah. And this has not gotten nearly enough attention in the press, I think, because a lot of the folks who cover this stuff are are far removed from it. And because, the, you know, the Moms for Liberty all, will always get the headlines. So that that makes me um, uh, very hopeful. And there's one other thing that I'm really hopeful about. I had the privilege this summer of being a mentor at a camp for young journalists. Oh, if nice. you think of if you think of any generation that could be excused for having a bleak vision of the future right now, it would be yeah. this generation, right? Yeah. Like talk about you know they talk, they even have an expression for it, you know, the poly crises that are nice. coming their way. And you have never met a more hopeful group of young people. And I, I came away feeling so inspired by that. And, and so it, it, that really gave me the push that I needed to finish the book, but also to just, like, go into this work trying to be uh, hopeful and, and not get sort of weighed down by, by all of the bad stuff that's happening. That's it's fantastic, and I'm telling you, your your next book, The Education Wars, needs to be a citizen's guide and an offensive game plan. Okay, you win with offense. I'll get I'll get right on. You win with offense. Tell Jack. Tell Jack. Uh, I will. I'm, he and I are recording right after this, so I'll let him know that with the subtitle is being changed. It's an offensive game plan. That's what we need. And you know who's great to have on your side? The gang at Case. Okay, Bridget. Thank you for putting this together. 
Thank you. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. It, it, it's a, my pleasure on my part, too. And, Jennifer, it is a pleasure to meet you. I hope we can do more together. Yes, I would love to. Um, I'm up in southern Maine all the time. I, I, I live in a little town called Cornish, which is up by uh, oh. North Conway, in, exactly in between Portland and North Conway, less oh, than wow, 40 okay. minutes from Lake Winnipesaukee. Uh-huh. Less, less than 40 minutes from Lake Winnipesaukee. And um, please give my regards to your wife and compliment her on her excellent taste in books. Okay, I will do it. I promise. Okay, her name's Carolyn, and we both thank you. Thank you, ladies, for being with us today. You both have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. What a great show. Thank you, Bridget, over at Case, the Council of Administrators of Special Education. They are in public education. CaseCEC.org, and of course, Jennifer and Jack wrote A Wolf at the Schoolhouse Door, which is a great book if you haven't read it, and their new book will be out, The Education Wars. Hold on. While I clear my throat, I apologize for that. We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org, and if you want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. That's me. All right. Thanks for listening.